Tushar Pradhan is the Chief Investment Officer at HSBC Global Asset Management Company, HSBC India Limited, Mumbai. He is responsible for all investment activities and investment strategy. He is an MBA from the Barney School of Business and Public Administration, University of Hartford, Connecticut, USA, and has worked in various organizations in the states as well as in India. He is a prominent spokesperson and is often called upon to give his views on the Indian equity and fixed income markets. He is the zonal coordinator of the Heartfulness Institute in, in Mumbai. Heartfulness Institute is one of the prominent organization which is helping people deal with their stress using meditation and a lot of other techniques. He is keenly interested in spirituality and gives lectures and conducts seminars on the importance of leading a balanced existence and the need for incorporating a spiritual practice in one's life. So on the occasion of World Stress Day, we are pleased to present this special episode and today let us learn more about Tushar Pradhan's journey with Heartfulness Organization and also get his insights on importance of meditation for dealing with stress. Hello. Hi there. Welcome to the Guiding Voice podcast series. The Guiding Voice for a better future. This podcast is to help professional students, IT employees and entrepreneurs to shape their careers. In case if you have tuned in for the first time, you have missed a lot of stuff. But don't worry. All our episodes are available on your favorite podcast listening platforms and also on YouTube. And not only that, we are going to start our blog series TGV blogs on LinkedIn as well as on our website wherein we are going to publish the conversation that we have had with over 150 guests in the span of last 18 months and we request you to go through them and also share with your friend and also colleagues for whom you care for also if you haven't rated our podcast on apple request you to provide your rating and leave a positive review because every rating and review will motivate us to bring in more and more useful content to you this is your host navin samala and i have about 18 years of rich and diverse experience in the it industry in every episode we interact with industry experts or thought leaders or academicians or entrepreneurs or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help each one of you learn great things also we share an interesting trivia or a fun fact towards the end so stay tuned till the end and you will acquire more knowledge for every minute by listening to tgv than any other podcast in this space thank you so much for tuning in so folks when we talk about this meditation it is a practice which is thought to be around 2600 years old meditation is not a religion it can be practiced by anyone and as per the recent stats the global wellness industry is currently valued about 4.5 trillion us dollars in fact general wellness is the number one reason why people take up meditation meditation can change our brain patterns to improve the memory and concentration and also if you want to slow the aging process meditation is proven to help research also shows that meditation can help to relieve lower back pain which is prevalent amongst most of us because of long hours of sitting in the office and these days because of work from home wherein people are continuously sitting at their desk for more than 8 hours so folks given that the importance of meditation we would like to cover this topic as it is one of the greatest stress busters so on this world stress day we are pleased to discuss this topic with tushar pradhan who happens to be the zonal coordinator for heartfulness so tushar 
welcome to TGV. In fact, it is our pleasure to have you part of the Guiding Voice podcast series. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. So pleasure hosting you and thanks again for being part of TGV's journey in shaping the lives and careers of millions across the globe. So let me get started with the first question, Tushar. Can we talk very briefly about your journey with this Heartfulness Institute and top three things that have helped you so far? No, wonderful uh, to hear about uh, you know your program as well. To begin with, uh, I think my journey uh, began about 20 years ago. So that itself gives you some idea about how long I've been with Heartfulness. And as anything in life, I think once someone accepts that as a lifestyle, it doesn't really become anything extra. So I think the first thing I would like to emphasize and you mentioned some benefits of meditation also. That people really read about it these days, you know, willing to practice or even try various types. But what one lacks is basically the understanding that it is a practice. So people treat it like, you know, going to the gym and maybe, you know, using it for a while. But, but that actually doesn't give you as much benefit as it can. So my journey began uh, actually at a very strange way. Uh, I was, uh, you know, a young uh, MBA in the US, really at a loss to understand what life was all about. And uh, while success supposedly came very early to me, that itself was a point of stress and crisis for me because I didn't know what, what to do in life uh, after that because all I wanted to, to do was to become an MBA in the US and work on Wall Street. And uh, here I was, 24 years of age, with a card which said uh, 95 Wall Street and so-and-so company. And I said, well, now what? You know, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be anything else to do here. So I was really at a, at a situation where I didn't know what to answer. So I think heartfulness came into my life quite some time after that, uh, after I first asked that question, when I came back to India uh, and so on and so forth. But it somehow came into my life. And what was the biggest uh, advantage I would think you know, heartfulness gave me was that there is help. This is such a wonderful aspect of heartfulness that there is always someone out there who can give you a meditation free of charge at your confine. You know, this is something so dramatic and so so wonderful because it's so unique to us. I mean, we can say, okay, general program, what heartfulness means, but what does it mean to me? You know, the, the biggest thing was that someone was available to, to provide me this experience. The second thing I think it uh, made very clear to me that it is not about books. It's not about knowledge. It is about experience. And uh, I think what uh, I really learned is that unless you experience whether it's an emotion, whether it's a feeling, whether whatever you experience, it is not real. It is somebody else's experience. So I think the second thing I got from heartfulness is trust one's experience, trust one's feeling, and try to rely on the feeling rather than the thinking. Because we are all, you know, technologically advanced people. We look at logic and we generally are associated only with the mind. But we forget the heart. And I think the best thing that came out of my practice in heartfulness, the second part I would say, that, that it taught me how to relate to the heart. What, what are the emotions and feelings and how do I relate them to my mind? And the third thing I would say, and you've just asked for three, I can go on. Uh, but the three things, as I mentioned, the third thing most importantly, I feel, is, is the sense of community. You know, I, I just realized that, you know, this Vasudeva Kapumakam that we talk about in Sanskrit for, for the whole world, that the whole world is a family. I think we are not aware of it or we just mouth it, we don't speak it, we, we don't really mean it. Uh, but through the practice, I realized that, you know, we are all really connected. Whoever we are, wherever we are, whenever we get in touch with someone, the feeling that it gets generated in a minute, through the heartfulness practice, you can really sense a lot more. You know, it is about your ability to communicate. And I think what heartfulness has given me is this tremendous ability to connect with people. And I 
thing again, as I said, it's a personal experience. I'm not saying I'm not advertising it as about you know the general feature of heartfulness. But again, you have to understand that each one of us will uncover some secret within themselves when they follow this practice, and that will be the unique to each of the practitioners what it blossoms into for each of us. So those are the three things I would think at least I can remember to mention. Very interesting thing. That's very nice. Uh, in fact, I can share my experience. Of course, I am not as seasoned as you. Like I had a very brief experience of attending about uh, three to four sessions, but I'm able to connect to all the three the things that you have mentioned. One is about um, experiencing it because you sit amongst the community of people who are practicing it, and automatically we get into that mode, right? And wherein we start relating things to the heart and all. And at the same time, I also sense that belongingness of. community and wherein you get in touch with like minded people thank you so much for sharing those amazing insights so icing on the cake here is this entire program is free right so i think people can get a benefit out of it and in fact i'm contemplating to join this and take it seriously because one thing that resonated with me when you mentioned about making something part of your lifestyle you don't treat it as an overhead in fact i'll i'll tell some live example recently like i thought i'm i'm a fitness freak like i work out every day like it's been past 23 years onwards like since my plus one onwards i've been waking up early and work out for about an hour or one and a half hour and recently because of stagnant lifestyle after this pandemic and all i felt i'm putting on some lot of weight and all and i started cycling and it's been two and a half months continuously wherein i'm able to cycle at least for 30 minutes or maximum i can go up to two hours but again that has become part of my lifestyle so i don't think like it is an overhead so i think that point can definitely trigger someone to take up any of the activity that is going to help us in a positive way so thank you for that amazing insight uh, tushar so with that let's talk about the core of today's topic meditation the great stress busters so how can this benefit people who are dealing with stress because from your own experience like uh, soon after you completed your mba you have scaled up the corporate ladder very quickly and uh, that actually automatically garners a lot of stress and with that high demanding job and all and how did it help you as well personally in terms of dealing with and coping up with the stress can you share the benefits yeah i think again uh, i can go on and on about this because that is my personal experience about how we had all came together so let me talk a little bit about stress so i am not a, a medical professional so it's again gathered knowledge just like all of us uh, who go to google but i was very fascinated by the fact that stress is not something which is harmful it is a natural reaction of the body to a flight or fight response that ancient cavemen ever since we were you know developing as human beings we we imbibed that sort of experience inside of us and that stress response is actually something which will save our life at least it would have saved our life when we were cavemen it actually does a lot of strange things inside of our body so when there is a perception of threat that something or some animal is going to come and kill me or eat me it produces adrenaline inside of us you know there is a gland which will secrete that sort of uh, substance inside uh, it will pump my blood faster you know my pulse will go faster my blood will shoot through my extremities because if i have to run or even if i have to fight i have to transfer the energy to my extremities either to run or to fight. Uh, so that's what stress uh, is basically is so that is a response of the body to a perceived threat 
Now you can imagine that in the in the cave period, you know, you would either avoid the animal and save yourself or get eaten up. <laughs> so there was not that much of a difference between you know the start of the threat and the end of it. I mean, you would climb a tree or you know you would hide and it would pass. Now the the thing to remember is that the stress at that time the body generated all those chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline was there for some time. How much time would it be? Two hours, three hours max. But it won't ever go beyond that because that is you know at the end of the day you. Come out of that threat. And that is what is programmed in our human bodies and brains. You know, you cannot avoid it. So when people say, how do I avoid stress? Do I meditate? No, it's never going to go away. So first thing I wanted to establish that stress is a response that the body does to help us to really, you know, kind of cover a situation. Now, what has happened to us now and how stress actually has gone beyond that situation is that our threat perception is lasting beyond two, three hours. Sometimes these threat perception can last for days or even weeks. So, for example, if you have a project to complete, and I'm sure all of our IT brothers and sisters will understand that whenever there's a project and a deadline, you know, the stress starts from there. You know, so all my adrenaline, all my cortisol has started to build into my bloodstream. Just at the fact, because I, I may or may not be prepared, I may rely on a third uh, team member who is not available, my stress is going up. So my threat perception is now lasting for many days. And with all of these chemicals inside of my body, obviously, they're going to have an impact on my organ. So where stress becomes harmful is our inability to control this response. It's a, it's a natural response, but I cannot control it after a certain point. And then that stress starts to you know put pressure on my bloodstream, my blood pressure goes up, and then long hours of high blood pressure will lead to you know, all that organ problems, as we all know. So... So the whole point I'm trying to make is that these techniques of stress relief should concentrate on understanding what is the base cause for your stress. Because if you do not understand that, you will try, like for example, when blood goes to your you know, extremities, many people say, okay, go for a walk. That's fine. You generally spend that energy and slowly those chemicals come down and say within an hour's time, you're feeling fresh. You know, you're okay. But what happens once you come back? It's not as if the bosses and the deadlines are going, going to go away. So the stress builds up again. So are you practical enough to say that my stress buster is cycling or walking, which solves my problem? No, it is unlikely to do so. So in a sense, what I'm trying to say is that it is very important for us to understand that whatever we approach from a stress relief perspective should really address the basic or if it does not address the basic problem, it is just going to be very, very tempting. So, and again, I'm saying that heartfulness or meditation is not going to be the, the relief here. It is to understand what heartfulness or meditation does to you. It creates an environment of peace and calm for at least some part of the day, which if you're able to retain, you start to become a lot more clear-headed. In fact, a lot better in terms of understanding the situation and the root cause of the stress is also likely to come. So, for example, if I know that the reason I get stressed out is because, you know, this, this team member who is always asking me things which I cannot answer or, you know, it generally creates a nuisance. Now, through meditation, through introspection, I understand that it's not a project. It's not my ability to deliver. It is something else which causes it. So, if through meditation, I'm able to introspect and that comes out during my meditation, I'm able to fix it. So, so stress actually becomes a lot larger as a context for me to address rather than just saying, oh, my blood pressure has gone up. Can I do something to reduce it? It's, it's not like that. 
and i think that is the the more important thing about how stress affects and i think as we go along and i as i look at you know how stress actually does build up is that it has to become a lifestyle just as you mentioned before so if i'm meditative which means that if i carry my condition of meditation for a long time in the day i naturally become less stressed you know see, see how it's logical that at any point of time if i remember the condition of meditation sitting in a team where suddenly there is some kind of acrimony difference of opinion hits up all i can do is like okay i can take a step back i can remember the condition and bring myself into that clearer headed situation and that's a technique that's not something which i can you know learn overnight so that's why this 20 years you know it's not as if i'm able to do that automatically today but i at least i know the technique and people say oh how do you remember the the thing so i'll just give a simple example when we go to our native village or something like that the smells of that place reminds us of the times you almost can feel the friends around you at that time whether and everything just starts to come back you eat an, an apple or a mango it it triggers a lot of response in our memories and we almost remember the time that we either had a wonderful experience earlier or something like that so it is possible that your memory can trigger a situation in yourself so i think meditation really in that sense you know helps to address that stress issue not just on our temporary basis that you take your mind off a little bit but also a very holistic way where you start to understand the causes of it so very long answer to your short question but you know i thought it was necessary to bring that absolutely i think very insightful i i think you shared your own experience and it takes time that that's what i could understand because when in case if we don't make it as a lifestyle probably it might be difficult for us to get to a level where you are at this moment but covered uh, a lot of great aspects like talking about the history and this is this has been part and parcel of our life but now that with the advancement of uh, technology and everybody is speaking about uh, stress as a bad thing but i concur with you saying that without stress again we will not will not have that zeal to move forward as well because uh, stress can be treated positively as well and thank you for sharing your insights in terms of how meditation can help in dealing with it and it's not a short term process but over a period of time we will be able to master it and understand the holistic picture and be able to deal with the situations very well So here comes my next question to Shah. Again, <laughs> this is a dumb question for sure. Who should do meditation? Like, is it only for IT professionals or somebody who is uh, doing some sort of stress-prone jobs? And second part is like, when should someone start? Like, can I start it as a child? Like, let's assume if you have children at home, maybe five years or above. Likewise, like, what are your thoughts around that? No, that's an interesting question because uh, first of all, I will state that meditation is actually not only a choice now, but I think it should be a necessity. Because if you look back uh, in the earlier times, like you know, our parents or their parents, uh, because you're so young, I don't want to miss that. But but I can remember my dad. You know, he would come back at six o'clock, and I don't think he ever brought any work. So it was like office is office, uh, work is work, and there was a very nice uh, way of. Uh, looking at the whole thing in such a way that you never really had to address it in any way there were other issues pressures come but never work so so that was simpler time you know these days as you mentioned you know the 24 by 7 devices you will have work come to you in the most intimate of situations that you are having right so so it is it is inescapable so we need a lot more protection now than what we had 
even some time back. So, and if you go back to the time that you know the rishis and the seers in India used to meditate, at that time most of the people, I'm sure, they didn't have all of the stresses that we have. Of course, they will have some family pressures and all that, but they did not have this manic, you know, sort of lifestyle that we do. They had a pastoral life. They had things to go out in the fields, relax. You, know. you did not really require meditation. You needed meditation at that time to go higher as a spiritual aspirant. Because now the mundane life is not enough for you, and that is how they they chose meditation. For us, meditation is essential just to survive, <laughs> just to kind of you know come to become a normal human being. I think it is absolutely essential for us to do. So I would say not only IT anybody anybody. Uh, typically, heartfulness is offered to you know meditation as a choice above fifteen years, uh, because essentially what it means is that you should have an idea about what this is all about uh, and i can share a personal example that when i began meditation when i was about 30 years old uh, all the members of my family you know kind of gave up on me because i just uh, kind of got married and people were worried that you know i had uh, something wrong in my mind and uh, many uncles you know would come kindly and tell me look you know this is something that you do after you you retire <laughs> not when you're just beginning your career or not especially when you're beginning your marriage so i think there was a lot of disconnect in a lot of people's minds about what meditation really is so so i think as long as you know what you want to do if you're 15 years of age and above i think it's good enough to start anything before that uh, i think uh, you know you're trying to tell the child what because he is not able to or she is not able to make their own decision about this it should be a willingness on a, on one's own so you will argue that you know a lot of people now have a lot more opinions and they are a lot more collected than before so Probably in uh, you know many years ago in our system we used to introduce meditation after 18 years, but slowly having realized that today's children, today's teenagers are a lot better understood about you know that situation and they have experienced stress a lot earlier in life. I think we can offer them as soon as 15 years plus. So so that is what uh, our method of meditation prescribes. Though I must say that relaxation of some sort, uh, whether it's by prayer by by way of some technique. That can be introduced even in, uh, like for example, we have a relaxation technique we've introduced in our schools. Uh, and just before the start of the school session, you know, you, you run this relaxation test, text and even a teacher can do it. Another student can do it for their own students. A wonderful way of, you know, connect also. And for about 10 minutes, people can get relaxed. So those things are possible. So many people sometimes mix these words, you know, relaxation, meditation, it's the same thing. Meditation is a lot more deeper. That comes much later. But I'm saying that even students going into the first uh, standard, I think they can do this relaxation by themselves. So, so I just want to make a distinction that when we get into the deeper aspects of meditation and meditate for longer, that should at least come when people are aware of what they're doing. But prior to that, they can try this uh, heartfulness with relaxation technique, which is really open to absolutely any age except for, of course, very, very young children. So, so that's the answer. It actually reminded me of my school days. I come from this uh, Sri Aurobindo Mission School. I studied in my hometown, which is about 80 kilometers from here. And uh, right from uh, first class onwards, we used to have this meditation in the school. Like before the classes begin and after the classes conclude, it was about uh, three minutes and all. But at that time, since we are all young, we didn't take that thing so seriously. Now, now that... Um, you have mentioned about one should have that particular awareness and be willing, right? I think that's a 
good thing wherein because if it comes intrinsic by themselves within themselves then they will be more serious about it all right so thank you for that again amazing tip so with that let me move on to my next question now let's talk about this uh, heartfulness institute because earlier when i was part of uh, those sessions it was called as sri ramchandra mission mission sri ramchandra mission right now it's been rebranded as uh, heartfulness and i think a lot of good stuff is happening around and how can someone join probably you can share those details as well of course i'll be publishing the website details in the show notes in addition to that if there are any other precursor things you want to cover it would be great no thanks thanks for asking and this is a uh, i would say an organization which began in 1945 so it's not a new thing however as you know that uh, if you were to offer meditation to a group of people in 1945 and you were to offer a, a group of meditation Uh, in the year 2021 obviously the context will change people have association with names so as you mentioned you know sri ramchandra mission so the first thing that people ask when they hear that is oh it's something to do with ram and you know then another track goes on and and these are the impressions and the connections we carry so people might tend to just say oh this is not for me even before even they know what it is all about so i think uh, some years ago i think in 2015 uh, our guide sri kamlesh daji as we call him Kamlesh Patel ji, he he realized that look, you know, we've got a wonderful method. We've got a wonderful way of helping people meditate. It is absolutely free of charge. Already, about a hundred countries in that time already have these centers which offer this. But most of it is not known. You know, people will not generally gravitate towards something like this. So let's do something. Let's do something to help it make a lot more easily accessible. I think mean, that was the reason why we we coined this wonderful word for heartfulness because as you have experienced it yourself, heartfulness is meditation on the heart, and essentially the heart is the center of you know the, the entire human body. At, at, you know, generally we associate it with life, and there are so many secrets in in the heart which we uncover as we meditate. So we said, let's call it heartfulness, and that itself was a trigger uh, for us to kind of be out there. And initially, we were. you know only asking and helping people who were seeking and asking uh, and from there we changed that attitude to saying look you know we've got something great to offer just try it and i think that is where the change came uh, it is available to anybody practically anywhere in the world we have a website i'm sure as you will publish those details www.heartfulness.org which gives a very simple practice and few techniques which are already there on the web Uh, and it begins with uh, you getting in touch with a personal trainer uh, for example i am a trainer so if someone approaches me you know i take some time for the person and then and i help them get introduced to the method uh, so it is a personal connect it is almost one to one at every time that you meet up and you could be in antwerp you could be in london you could be in russia you could be in delhi you could be in chennai wherever it does not matter so at that time there were practitioners and and people who were helping trainers in every possible city that you can think of of course you couldn't cover everything but there was someone there most of the time and these connections even at that time in phones you know we we would get in touch with people and then go to their homes and stuff now a, a whole new world is open uh, because you can download our app which is a hearts app or you know the newer app which is for even newer people you know you can just download the app and then just request for this meditation setting and a trainer gets alerted somewhere in the world uh, you can like for example my son is an it guy himself you know he wakes up at 2 o'clock and he has a meeting i always get worried about that so suppose the meeting is stressful and he says look i need a sitting i need 
do a meditation session. I mean, he can if he wants to ask someone in Bombay very likely that he's not going to get one. But once he enters the app, you know, someone somewhere in the world, the trainer is there on the app on the other side, and he's willing to give him the second. And likewise, I mean, these time zones are absolutely twenty-four by seven. So this is the unique feature which we now have brought. And so, if you ask me, what has been the change in our method and our manner in which we're the thing remains the same. You know, the, the offering is the same, whether it was in the earlier package or it is in its new package. It is the same. It is just a lot more accessible. Uh, it is a lot more, I would say, tech savvy because you know apps didn't exist at that time, and you have to call someone and go to someone's house to get a ticket. Uh, you can now do this sitting in your home. Uh, and of course, there are these sessions and there are trainings. And of course, it's not it's not as if you begin and that's the end of it. Beginning is really a beginning. I'm sure if you may have also experienced that there are levels of our consciousness that they expand. So, for example, through meditation, I become a lot quieter than before. What have I just experienced? I've experienced that I've, I've become a better person. Now, is there any limit to this expansion? Literally, there's no. So, the more and more you start to expand your consciousness, there is a need to understand these changes. So, we have ongoing programs, trainings, which at every level, people are able to help you understand your newer consciousness. How do you deal with you know, now the world that you see it a lot differently, uh, you're reacting uh, differently, you're becoming a more responsible person. What do you do now? You know, these are issues which, uh, you know, carry us throughout the journey. And what is the biggest advantage is that there is a guy who at any point of time, either on an email, is available to answer your question. He conducts these sessions on a regular basis every Sunday. So at nine o'clock uh, in India time, uh, there is a live session where he actually transmits sense throughout the world for whoever is sitting anywhere in the world for that. So, you know, these are the kinds of things. And of course, there are local centers which do various other programs, so on and so forth. But, but that's in brief, you know, what, what this is all about. It is at the end of the day, you can call it an NGO. Uh, it's a not-for-profit. Uh, we don't really charge for any of these things. And uh, literally open for any and every citizen of that is stunning fact, actually. Like you spoke about the app and the trainer is available at the fingertips at any point in time. So I think there's no excuse for someone not to start. <laughs> right. Thanks for sharing those details. In fact, it is very insightful. And with that, let me move on to my next question, Tushar. You are you were in a demanding job right from the beginning, because when you mentioned about your intro, like right now you are again serving as a chief investment officer. So, which is kind of dealing with a lot of work pressure and all. So, how do you cope up with stress? Especially, are there any techniques that you practice out of your 20 plus years of association with the meditation? Yeah, let me tell you a secret. I don't cope. <laughs> it's easy for anyone to say that I can cope. But no, it is not possible. Because I will tell you that even if my job, say for example, I always used to read, you know, big people's biographies. When I read Churchill's biography, I said, boss, you know, his day job was fighting the Germans for five years uh, as the head of, uh, you know, allied forces. It's not a simple job. So I don't think we can identify with someone else's job. Okay, So first thing I want to clarify that, you know, what I do and do, or, you know, that's not really applicable to everybody. Else. Everyone has to realize that we all have our individual set of crisis points. And I have to address that. So someone using a technique to help him get out of that is not going to be helpful to me. So what is very critical to understand is that this concept of about a glass of water. Now, if I tell you, does the glass of water actually is heavy? Argue no. It's, you know, I can easily lift it with my left hand. So how heavy is it? But if I say, okay, hold this glass of water for the next 20, 
20 hours. You know, I don't think you will last beyond a half hour or something. So, so what has happened is that your ability to carry that stress you know, has physical limitations. You cannot do it beyond a point. So what can I do? Can I put the glass cup down? That is the first thing that you have to remember. Can I put the glass cup down? In other words, if something which is stressing me out, can I have the ability to think of something else? Now, you will remember that our manic minds now are unable to do that. They are unable to do that. We get distracted. For example, I can play a game and win. But the minute the game is over, I go back. And sometimes, even if this problem is so acute in my mind that I cannot even go to the game because it is bothering me so. So meditation, if at all, I think, gives you the tools to understand that, yes, you can set the glass cup down. And there are techniques. For example, we have a mental cleaning technique. And then essentially, we start to understand where thoughts come from, how to you know evaluate them, how to get rid of them, how to ignore them. And over time, as a practice, this is how and what we do. So in a sense, it is not about my way of you know suggesting that this is the way to get out of stress. But just to realize that you need to have the ability to set them. Whichever technique you use, whether it is, you know, going out for a game of tennis or painting or whatever it, you know, it is that relaxes your mind. You shift your attention. In my job, I think, you know, we all know how stressful it is because all I have to do is to deal with information. It is pouring into from all sorts of levels and uh, I have to act, react all the time. Now, I would think about this, that the longer time that I spend in my job, I realize everything doesn't need to be attended. Uh, but if you watch CNBC, that is not the impression they give you. <laughs> that every minute there is breaking news. And every minute as if the World War Third is started and you, know, you have to do something about it. Uh, so now this ability to keep a distance between what's happening and what I have to do starts to build in. And over time as well, if, if I have to relate it to normal activities outside of you know, my job, People deal with politics, people deal with people's impressions, people deal with our impressions of others, uh, so on and so forth. I think there are techniques within heartfulness which are able to reduce these impressions and actually not have some sort of preconceived notion about a situation. I think that is very good. I think that is a stress that a lot of us get all the time. And no one comes out with an answer. You cannot get rid of it. You always have made that impression and now you are bound. And uh, I feel that, you know, that has been the largest cause for my stress. Even if I, you know, compare my stressful real day job, but I have to interact with people. Uh, I have to find people who agree with me. Many times they don't. Uh, especially when I publish my NAV at the end of the day, people hate me. Because, oh, you've done so badly versus others. Uh, and someone will voice their opinion. And obviously, I'm not someone who is an exalted ego. So I, I realize, look, I this of, you know, doing a delivery which is not good enough, it hurts me. So all of these emotions are part of anybody's job. So someone says, look, you know, you've done a terrible job. How am I going to deal with this? That's not stress on the regular kind where I say, oh, I don't think about it. Right? I think you think about it. So I think it's it's a lot more larger in context. And I think the whole system of heartfulness really takes you through it. And I think that is the key to what I would suggest to people about addressing this issue. Be serious about it. Is going to cause a lot of pain for you in the future. Think about how to deal with this and adopt a method which which helps you relax uh, at least at some time and over time to come back. Fantastic. I, I think this was uh, an enlightening conversation so far. Let, let me move on to my next question, Tushar. Why do you believe meditation is an important tool for maintaining 
good mental health because today we are done with the wave 2 and there are speculations about wave 3 kicking in and people might again undergo this uh, tough situation of uh, cities and towns and villages getting under lockdown and all so what is your take on that i think meditation the way that we actually practice in heartfulness is is something to do with the mind and it is something to do with regulating our mind so that we are able to not control it but move it at least so suppose uh, remember if you are holding a hose of water you are not able to stop it because it is just going it's like mind you know it will always continue to keep thinking but but i can control the direction i can put it in front of a fire rather than you know just wasting it out those things are something that we need to learn and those are the techniques that we learn in mindfulness about how to divert our mind and once the diversion is done how to stay there and of course after some time you will lose that and you will come back again but what better than if you are not able to control your mind or even regulate it so i think the biggest concern that we have today is that mentally we've lost it. Uh, i asked a simple question to younger generation and i look at my son and i say can you for one minute just keep your phone away many people are unable to test it for yourself you, know, you, you do some activity and within like a minute of you know some free time you pick up now when our minds are now and there is dopamine right so every time that you know something nice happens or a notification comes feeding you know there is a lot of dosage of dopamine going in my mind feeling making me feel nice now i'm getting addicted to that to that extent that till i get it back i might feel very very constrained this is a big serious mental health issue across the world and i think this is a serious issue that we all need to address and meditation is on solve it our own habits uh, our own reactions things and our ability to keep these distractions away and it will be absolutely critical for us to be able to deal with the mental health epidemic which is likely to meditation is a step where you start learning that look you know after some time give yourself who is telling you this if your lifestyle is such that you automatically give yourself some mental rest but many times you are on 24 by 7 so there is absolutely no way to get rid of that situation and that is the reason why mental health is become a bigger crisis uh, and i worry about the younger children who now because of the pandemic unfortunately have to be on on screens all the day uh, and and when the relief is that the relief is that go from one screen to the other uh, they don't go out they don't interact with people you know these are the seeds of a pretty dramatic mental health issue which we will see within 15 years from now so So I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. It's really something that we need to do. I think you brought in a right fact. People are not able to be there without the devices for even a minute and the dopamine factor is adding to it. And I love that example of uh, carrying the hose pipe. You can use it to douse, uh, douse the fire or you can use it for something else. It's all about regulating the thoughts. This has been an incredible conversation so far. And uh, Tushar, I would like to spice this up and... Uh, take the episode to a new high by asking you a few interesting rapid fire questions wherein you can answer them crisply like two to three words or maybe maximum one phrase if you are okay let's get started sure <laughs> all right thank you for volunteering with that let me fire the first bullet out of the rapid fire just to know the other side of tushar uh, would you like to time travel to past or future future definitely okay <laughs> all right Moving on, what is what are the three things that you carry with you always? 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I, I carry my thoughts and impressions all the time. Uh, I carry my attitude and I carry my memories. These are the three things I think. simply amazing actually people would normally get into mode of physical <laughs> attributes or physical things and i loved your answer thank you thank you for uh, the such an amazing uh, insight with that let me move on to the next one so do you believe in the next life absolutely i mean that is the critical thing about how we should behave today because unless there is a second life you know it doesn't matter right so i absolutely believe that there is a definitely another life and the one after and the one after we've had countless life before so i, I absolutely believe it okay fair enough moving on uh, what has been a question on your mind for which you never got an answer for <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think uh, the secret there is uh, i want to know what we will think i think in this lifetime i will get there <laughs> all right so with that let me move on to the last question for the rapid fire Uh, Tushar, what is one message that you would like to give to your own younger version? Yeah, I think that's another wonderful question. I think uh, what I will tell him is relax. Uh, I used to be a very, very anxious kid, uh, an anxious teen, and a very anxious new adult. I was always worried about what was going to happen. I was comparing myself with so many other people. I'll just tell him that <laughs> there is there's a there's a plan there. Don't worry. We're going through this for some reason. definitely very scintillating and thought provoking rapid fire thank you for amazing amazing words of wisdom i would say so with that let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one question which is not related to the meditation and heartfulness but from your global cxo hat what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers one thing i will share which i don't think is more understood or appreciated and that goes back to the bhagavad gita you know where uh, there is a concept of swadharma today what happens is uh, you look at uh, mark zuckerberg you look at jeff bezos and we all want to be like it. the young guys is i want to be a startup and a billionaire before it, the next day <laughs> right so so nothing wrong in that i think it's good to aspire uh, but i think it's very important for us to realize that we need to know a little bit about ourselves i think all of these individuals who have done very well are individual we cannot become them so even if you read uh, steve uh, jobs and and his character i i don't think i like his character very much very abrasive boss uh, you know all of that what is written about him not really very nice but that came naturally to him that's that's natural that is what his swadharma was it didn't matter to him that people threw him out of his own district he went through a lot of trouble but that's his story you know there is no ideal way to reach where he reached eventually so if i were to say what is the advice that a young steve jobs would get probably no advice because that advice would miss his mind and he would say no i have to do this instead of that but i think what i would suggest to the younger generation is to find yours find your find what you are what is your role in society what what should you contribute and i think once that contribution starts then the rest of the things become important. but but not the method method really work but essentially it is very important for us to understand our place in this world in our society what do i plan to do and and be be absolutely brave about it so let, let's take that up and say okay this is a problem i'd like to solve how do i solve it do i become an engineer to solve it? oh if i am already an engineer you know does my company which is currently doing this solve that problem take that up you know be be brave i think that is really something what we need to do otherwise people say oh no i've got a nice comfortable job now that problem can you know i i'll come to it later now now you've lost that you've lost your dharma uh, that was something which was burning in your mind 
you should have done something about it. You will be very satisfied. Many people associate success with money. I shudder to tell you all the people who have money uh, about their mental space and, and what they are undergoing. So that's, I must say, that not a, not a comfortable position unless that is yours for them. Unless you are comfortable with it, it's not something which you want to aspire for. So all I'm saying is that find your dharma, whatever that is, and spend time doing that when you are younger, when you are starting off, and eventually your life will, will become simply marvelous. I think we need to know more about ourselves before trying to imagine ourselves in the big shoes. Having a role model is good, but they might have their own self. I think, uh, yeah, very thought-provoking. So, Tushar, this has been a fantastic conversation today. And it was very nice to hear your insights about the importance of uh, meditation for dealing with stress. Thank you so much again for being part of the show. And thanks for being part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. And I'm sure we are going to have many more conversations in our series wishing to have you again come back to TGV. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and, and really wonderful to be invited here. If there is anything I can do later on, come for example back more than thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much and thanks for the offer. Definitely I'm going to reach out to you. Alright, so before we move into trivia section, audience, here is a request to you. If you have loved this episode like I did and if you found it useful, Please share it with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from this show. Because the more you share, the wider we reach and we will be closer to our mission of reaching millions across the globe. Thank you so much in advance. With that, let's hop on to the trivia segment of today's episode. And folks, today we wanted to bring you another trivia about meditation. Do you know how many people meditate? I know you're thinking, but let me tell you the secret. As per a recent global stats, it shows that across the world, between 200 and 500 million people meditate. And one stunning fact is that meditation is the second most popular mind and body practice in the United States. Interesting, isn't it? Thank you so much for tuning in. There is more in store, folks. Stay tuned. Take care. Be safe. Until next time. Bye-bye. And we are signing off for today. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest. Thank you.